good Thursday and welcome to this edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer, your host. In a show today, Vicki Boyd has a feature report on autonomous electric tractors from the recent Agrobotics Convention in Fresno. I'll have a look at regional and national agricultural news as well, beginning with regional ag news right after this. Do you know the nutrient use efficiency people? Yes, I'm talking about the folks at Verdesian Life Sciences that deliver crop insights and solutions so California crops grow to their full potential. From micros with a proprietary delivery system to solutions that help improve the uptake and assimilation of applied nutrients. Visit VLSCI.com to learn more about Verdesian solutions or to connect with a local representative right here in California. An Iowa-based engineer is touring California for a couple of weeks to showcase a new innovation in farming, an autonomous electric tractor. Tom Boy, president and CEO of Amos Power, made his first of two stops in Elodi Appalachian last week at Heritage Oak Winery to give wine grape growers a glimpse of his A4 row crop tractor. He says a lot of people ask him, are you replacing workers? He says the reality is the workers have quit coming and said they've reached a point where they need to come up with solutions that replace the people that used to do all the work. The A4 row crop tractor is one of two models that Bowie's company designs. It is fully autonomous, meaning there is no driver. In addition, its frame also does not include a transmission or differential. The tractor's main unit is roughly 10 and a half feet in length, with nearly half of its front end used to house the battery. It's more than six feet wide and four and a half feet tall, set on a pair of tracks, and weighs a total of 6,500 pounds. It reaches a top speed of eight and a half miles an hour with 85 horsepower. Charging takes about eight hours and can run between four and eight hours once operational. Bowie said his team is investigating a DC fast charging method using a small solar power docking area that could potentially charge a tractor in nearly two hours. He says that growers have mapped their vineyards or surveyed all of their rows. His team can import the data into the tractor's field mapping system and then the vineyard's perimeter will be plotted with software similar to Google Maps. The A3 Vineyard Tractor, the company's other model, has the same capabilities as the A4, but is nearly 10 feet in length, nearly 4 feet wide, and nearly 5 feet in height. Each model costs $185,000. The California Department of Food and Agriculture is now seeking comments on its draft request for proposals for a new program, the California Livestock Methane Measurement, Mitigation, and Thriving Environments Research Program. The two-week public comment period began on Monday, and comments will be accepted until November 14th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. This program will award competitive grants to California-based eligible entities for research projects that address key barriers to achieving goals aligned with California's efforts to successfully implement climate smart agriculture with a direct focus on methane reduction from dairy and livestock operations. An appropriation of $10 million to CDFA from the Budget Act of 2021 and Budget Act of 2022 will be directed towards the assessment of the cost-effectiveness of various livestock methane reduction strategies on a per-metric ton basis, including comparison of projects funded under the Alternative Manure Management Program and the Dairy Digester Research and Development Program, as well as alternative methane reduction strategies such as dietary modifications and research on manure-based product development. Eligible entities can submit proposals for up to $2,500,000, $1,250,000, or $1,500,000.
$250,000 or $650,000 in the Climate RP grants, depending on the research area outlined in the RFP. The following entities are eligible for this program. Tribal governments, resource conservation districts, non-governmental organizations, nonprofit organizations, and California public higher learning institutions. For more information, log on to cdfa.ca.gov. The California Department of Food and Agriculture has established an assessment rate to be levied on California citrus producers during the 2022 to 2023 marketing season, which is a period of October 1st of 2022 through September 30th of 2023. The assessment rate for the 2022 to 2023 marketing season has been set at three and two tenths cents per 40-pound standard field box or the equivalent thereof of all types and varieties of citrus, excluding limes, as defined by the California Citrus Research Program, marketed by producers and received by handlers or processors during the season. Joe Monson, branch chief of the CDFA marketing branch, addressed all California citrus producers and handlers in a recent letter. Madera County Agriculture Commissioner Sealer Rusty Latzberger and his staff recently released the annual crop report. I read that the county saw an increase of almost $100 million from the 2020 production. The gross value of 2021 agriculture production was more than $2.45 billion, an increase of more than $95 million from 2020 in the agri report released in September. Latzberger said that increases were due to stronger commodity prices. They had increases in harvested acres in both in fruit and nut crops and vegetables vegetable crops, there was also demand. The commodity prices were up. On the flip side, he says all the inputs, the costs were up as well, and says they only look at the gross value. They're only looking at what the growers tell them. Just because the number went up, it doesn't represent net losses or gains by the producers. The cost to produce everything went up, but they also had commodity prices rise and had an increase in harvested acreage. Almonds, nuts, and holes remain the number one commodity in Madera County. The nuts were worth just over $760 million last year, making an entry into the top 10 were mandarins and tangerines with a value of more than $32 million and ranked number seven. Grapes and pistachios traded positions from 2020 with grapes taking number three and pistachios coming in at number four. California released its greenhouse gas report for 2020, which showed a 16% decrease in transportation carbon emissions. Clean Fuels Alliance America says that success was due in part to increase in the use of biodiesel and renewable diesel. The state's analysis shows the percentage of biodiesel and renewable diesel in California's fuel supply grew from 0.4% in 2011 to almost 21% in 2020 through the low carbon fuel standard. California Air Resources Board data says biodiesel and renewable diesel generated 44% of the LCFS credits in 2020. As California works to continue reducing carbon emissions, it's relying on increased production, import, and blending of biodiesel and renewable diesel, according to Clean Fuels' CEO, Donnell Rehagen. Without biodiesel and renewable diesel, California's tailpipe fossil CO2 would have been 15 million metric tons higher in 2020. The reduction equals taking 3.2 million cars off the road in 2020. There's giant potential sleeping in your soil. Under drought conditions, it's never been more important to wake it up. Phycoterra, a superior soil microbial food, activates the native microbes responsible for your soil's health and water holding capacity. Adding Phycoterra to your crop increases water retention up to 10% and optimizes crop nutrient availability. Plus, it delivers excellent mixability and application flexibility, making it easy to add to your existing crop input strategy. Visit phycoterra.com learn how you can wake up your soil's giant potential with Phycoterra. 
As a mechanical engineer, Tom Bowe spent more than three decades designing tractors. With the help of Red Shield Electronics, he now has designed two late-stage prototype electric autonomous tractors under the Amos Power brand. He also draws from his experience growing up on an Iowa farm, and he's put the units to the test on his own corn operation. Bo and his wife, Jody, showed off the A4 row crop unit at the recent FIRA USA Agrobotics Conference in Fresno. In addition, they're spending several weeks traveling up and down the state showing off the prototype to grape growers and gathering comments. The row crop unit, which can span up to 85 inches wide, is in addition to the narrower A3 vineyard tractor that's only 47 inches wide. One of the first noticeable differences between the Amos tractors and other electronic autonomous machines are the tracks. Both said that was intentional because they offer improved performance. The bottom line is I think tracks are, give us better performance in autonomous operation. We don't have to be aware of the, the actual field con conditions as well. So when you see washouts and you see uneven ground, a track is going to be able to just ride right over top of them. They also give us a lot better stability on the on hills. And when we're trying to stop and make sure that we stop, an autonomous vehicle having tracks is going to give us that opportunity to stop even in wet conditions. Under the tractor's hood are its brains, basically the computers that help guide it and help it make decisions. The unit also comes equipped with stereo cameras that allow it to see, interpret, and understand its environment. It also draws from vision guidance with radar, as well as GPS guidance. Bose said this allows it to detect obstacles and stop. Before deploying an AMOS unit, users must first map the field. Then they assign a path and can set it and forget it, so to speak. Users can also monitor the tractor's progress on a computer, laptop, or smartphone. So underneath the hood, you have your vehicle controller. It looks very similar to what you would see in a computer. You just have a, a network of electronics, vehicle controller, you got 12-volt converters that take the 300-volt and convert it into 12-volt. And then we also have what looks like a, in your house a switch bank for uh, circuit breakers to turn on different auxiliaries on the vehicle. The tractors are powered by not one single battery, but a series. They can take about eight hours to charge. Both said battery technology is evolving at breakneck pace. In just a few months, they've become more powerful for the same size, and he expected them to continue to do so. So this vehicle has right now 24 different modules that are put together in a series of parallel to bring us up to 300 volts. Uh, actually, our nominal is 325, and that gives us the opportunity to offload up to 300 amps at 300 volts, which gives us the power to the three motors that are on the vehicle. Amos also differs from some other tractors on the market in that it has a motor for each track and one for the PTO. So if you're pulling a flail mower, for example, both said it wouldn't be drawing from power devoted to the tracks. Both Amos models are rated as having an 85 horsepower draw bar and maximum speeds of 8.5 miles per hour. Depending on the task, the battery will last four to eight hours. Especially when you build an electric tractor that has an individual motor for each area that you need power. So when I look at Amos, we've got a left track motor and a right track motor, and then we also have a PTO motor. So when we talk a 40 horsepower PTO motor, it's getting all the power to the PTO. We don't have to, to share the power through clutches and, and a series of gears that take that power off to the traction units. So direct horsepower is what we're seeing. The other thing about electric motors are when I have a 40 horsepower motor that only needs three horsepower, 
I'm only going to use the horsepower that I need. I don't need to be constantly running at high idle like you would see in a diesel tractor where you're not using that horsepower, but you're just using diesel to move. Bo described the Amos units as being modular, kind of like a set of kids' Legos. This allows it to be configured to different uses. When the team set out, we wanted to make the vehicle almost like Legos, where it was interchangeable and you had modules that were broke out. The battery itself can slide out the front fairly easily. The, the actual frame can be reconfigured for different, you know, different ground clearances, different widths. And because the track itself has all the components needed to drive the track, we're able to move that track with just extending the wiring harness. Both said he hoped to have 10 beta units in the field during 2023. During that time, he'll work with cooperators to look at things like maintenance schedules. The goal is to begin a full commercial launch by spring 2024. Our build to order right now is that we are in the process of ordering parts for a 10-piece build this spring. They would be classified as a beta or early production unit. Those units are, are going to customers that can help work with us on, on receiving data and developing a, a, any type of maintenance schedule that we need to have on the vehicle. And then in the spring of 2024 is when we'd go to full production. Having been in the tractor design business for more than three decades, Bo said he's seen specialty market needs sometimes overlooked. That's why he and his wife are spending the time to meet with California growers and listen to their issues to make sure their tractors will be worthwhile. So I am from Iowa. I've spent 30 years designing tractors. And, you know, that's kind of where the heartland started with tractors. And a lot of times we see California niche markets are considered uh, an afterthought to the larger ag teams. So my wife and I have come out here. We're spending close to a month. And I know a month isn't going to give me every answer that we need from the, from the growers. But we're looking to meet and discuss and talk with growers about the challenges they have to make sure that we can adjust our vehicle to match what their needs. So to make sure that we match the needs of the grower is we have to have constant back and forth communication. That the open, honest, you know, understanding the limitations of electric power, understanding the limitations of our vehicle, and then working to, to gain more knowledge about their operations so that we can adjust as we move forward with, with different types of tractors in the future. Both of the Amos units are currently priced at $185,000. As labor becomes more expensive and worker safety regulations become more restrictive, the time needed to recoup your investment on autonomous tractors such as these will only continue to decrease. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life. Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. Bee Hero accurately evaluates your bee's pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure. Be precise. Be Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales at 559-467-9699. Be Hero. Superior bees, superior pollination. High-speed internet is increasingly seen as a must for rural schools, businesses, and farms in an increasingly competitive global economy, a point stressed recently by USA Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. We still have to make sure, as we did with rural electrification, that everybody has an opportunity to take advantage of this. And Secretary Vilsack says that means getting high-speed internet everywhere across rural America. 
businesses obviously can expand significantly their network, their ability to sell, not just in their own geographic area, but literally worldwide. Educational facilities now have the ability to link up. Oftentimes in rural communities, it's sometimes difficult to have the broad array of courses that young folks may have in other schools and urban centers. So now with high-speed internet, there's an opportunity to access some of those advanced placement courses, for example. Farmers also benefit from the edge the internet gives them. Farms benefit to the extent that they're using any form of precision agriculture. The ability to have access to internet is also going to give them the ability to properly market their grain or whatever it is that they're buying or selling on that particular day. Vilsack just announced a $759 million 24-state effort, including a third round of Reconnect and Infrastructure Act funding to deploy more rural high-speed internet, while a much bigger pot of infrastructure money will go to areas with little or no service. There's a major effort to help financially distressed farmers to stay on their land and continue to farm. USA Ag News reporter Gary Crawford. Farming is risky business to begin with, and thousands of farmers whose farms are also their homes can be just a bad crop or a bad decision away from losing their farms and their homes. This is on our minds of all of our farmers and ranchers. As I traveled around the country, I've heard sad stories uh, of farm families who've uh, had to leave this business. However, there is help coming for thousands of farmers who are just barely hanging on help from what President Biden calls one of the most significant laws in our history. The Inflation Reduction Act, which, among other things, will do what the president has said he has wanted to do all along, and that is to keep farmers on the land. How will this new law help to do that? We'll take a look on this edition of Agriculture USA. I'm Gary Crawford. The star of the show here is the farmer. The person that really matters is the farmer and keeping that farmer, him or her, on the land so that he or she can take care of her family and their community. Agriculture Secretary Tom Bilsack telling reporters the other day that thanks to money in the Inflation Reduction Act, just over $3 billion worth, USDA is already at work on that goal of keeping farmers on the land. Now, a little background on this. The U.S. Department of Agriculture makes loans and loan guarantees for about 115,000 farm borrowers. These are operators who may be fairly high credit risks to begin with. That's because the USDA only loans money to farmers who cannot get credit anywhere else. That's the rule. The USDA is the so-called lender of last resort. Now, because of COVID and many other possible factors, about 11,000 of those 115,000 have been at least 60 days behind on loan payments. Luckily, there has been suspension of foreclosures and such because of the COVID pandemic, but that could end at any time. However, USDA has taken action to help those delinquent borrowers. And the first order of business was to basically uh, to utilize a, uh, r- roughly $600 million to make payments, in essence, uh, to bring those borrowers current. So uh, approximately 11,000 folks have or will receive correspondence from the USDA advising them uh, that these payments have been made and that they are now current uh, and that they will remain current uh, until the next annual payment is due next year in 2023. Bill Sachs says, of course, this is not only to help producers financially, but as you can imagine... To give those borrowers the peace of mind that they don't have to be concerned or worried about the possibility of foreclosure. However, some producers before the COVID suspension of foreclosures and such had already been embroiled in bankruptcy or foreclosure processes. And we will be working with them on a case-by-case basis because some of those cases are extremely complex. But beyond helping currently distressed farmers... There's more to come. This is just the start. Deputy Agriculture Secretary Jewel Brownow telling reporters... USDA is going to look for ways 
to add tools, to add flexibility, to intervene more quickly, and well before borrowers facing financial hardship become at risk of losing their farm. Secretary Vilsack says he wants his department to chart a new path uh, in terms of USDA's approach to, to borrowers. He said it would change the USDA from just overseeing loans and collecting payments and such to a much more farmer-friendly approach. We have incredibly experienced loan officers. They're really good at what they do. They know when they see uh, warning signs or an indication that there may be some difficulties or challenges. Then they can work with the farmer instead of the farmer being reluctant to come into the office because they don't know what they're going to do. Now they'll know that, gosh, there's some resources there. Maybe I need to come in and talk to my loan officer. Maybe I need to explain to him what my circumstance is and maybe we together can figure out a a route forward. So it's that kind of conversation that's going to take place. A conversation and approach that hopefully will try to address and assist folks uh, before they get to a point of, of no return. But Bill Sachs says USDA is doing things, other things, to keep farmers from getting to that point of no return. Things such as creating additional revenue streams beyond the traditional revenue streams. Traditional revenue streams, you, you raise crops and sell them, or you raise crops and feed them, and then you sell whatever the product is of that livestock. Well, we have to have farmers have more revenue streams. So this USDA is creating those new revenue streams with climate-smart agricultural commodities, with local and regional food system, with additional processing capacity, with an investment in organic transition to enable farmers to transition to a higher value proposition on their farm. So there are multiple things underway at USDA to literally transform the system. And it's obviously going to take some time for all that to take root, but we're excited about the future here which he says is a brighter future for Agriculture USA. I'm Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 